You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe podcast sponsored by Odyssey. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. George, the final week of training camp is here, putting the kind of the, the finishing touches on Grand Park, and then we will finally start to kind of move towards the Colts facility and get that much closer to the regular season week number one, starting a few more Sundays to go. Can you see the light, George, at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, yeah, it's a dog days now all of a sudden. I mean, you could see uh, it's getting to that point where even the players, I think, are ready to, to go back and sleep in their own beds. And, you know, they've been out here for about a month now. Uh, two more practices. So uh, it's almost done. It's it's about to wrap up. But this is the grind. This is where you kind of see, you know, they, they were running wind sprints at the end of practice today. And it's that time of year now where you kind of got it. And, and, the, and the crowds have finally, you know, they've been huge crowds every day. And it's I think that gives them a lot of energy. But school's finally back in and, and the crowds are starting to taper off. So it's it, the weather was gorgeous. I guess there's that, you know, you had that going for it. Uh, there, you got to have something, something for sure. As we do wind down here, coach training camp. But when we talk about at least light at the end of the tunnel, sure. It's, you know, that's for the players in training camp kind of ending this grind, this monotonous grind, but also to maybe, maybe the end, the light at the end of the tunnel for right now, what has been a big mystery. And that is Darius Leonard, big talking point at Tuesday's practice after it was over is Frank, Wright Kind of giving an update on the possible status and a possible return for obviously all pro linebacker Shaquille Leonard. We don't know exactly right when it's going to, when he's going to be able to play, when he's going to even be able to practice. Frank Reich was saying on Tuesday that right now there's, there's no set date to return from practice. Really the only thing they're shooting for right now is to remove him off the pup list. And that's even just to be able to practice. There's still no kind of guaranteed set date of week one or week two or week three. I don't know about you, George. Well, first, let me get your take because you're there at practice every single day. Obviously, Darius Leonard is there. He's not practicing, but he's very involved. Physically, how does he look? How are his spirits uh, so far at practice? Yeah, he looks good out there. You know, he's out there every day messing around with the linebackers, usually before they're they're stretching. Uh, he'll throw balls to him during different drills and things like that. He can't obviously participate in practice, so he's not running any drills. But he's around the coaches. He's around the players. He's out here with the fans. He'll go out and sign autographs. Uh, you know, he seems to be in, in good spirits and he's the kind of guy that usually, uh, if, if there's something that's really nagging him, you know it, you know? So I, I think that all that's positive. My understanding right now is they're waiting on a nerve. And with that, you just, you never know. I mean, you go back to, to Peyton Manning's situation uh, about a decade ago now, uh, you know, and it, it was just going to come when it came and, you know, one day he could throw again. And I think it's going to be the, I don't think it's as serious with, with Darius, it, with Shaquille. It's, it's more of a, it's just getting strength into that, that calf and into that, that ankle area so that he can, I think Zaire Franklin said it best earlier in camp. They want him to get right. So they don't have to get him right anymore that, you know, just get him back all the way back. And so that when he's back, you know, he's here and he can be himself Anybody who watched the Colts last year knows he wasn't the entire year. You know, he was playing on that ankle and, and he had to kind of change the way he played. And he may have to do that early in the year this year, too. And to your point about what Frank Reich was discussing, they want to get him out there and get him on the field, get him and even if it's just limited reps, you know, because they know there's going to be a progress here. He hasn't done anything since the spring. But you look at how quickly Mike Strawn has got up and and running and you feel like 
you know, Shaquille's the kind of guy who will probably do that too. Uh, but I think they're being conservative and they're going to find out not going on pup means he wouldn't have to miss the first four games of the regular season. That's the big clerical piece there. That's about the only really clarity that we have at this point. And even go back to last week, you had Frank Reich saying and admitting, like we just said, even when he does return, whenever that is, he's not going to be a hundred percent. And he hasn't done anything football related with the Colts since, you know, week 18 in Jacksonville last year. So he's missed all the off season. He's still rehabbing, still getting back. Um, and to your point, I actually, I like the Colts being conservative, George, with his health and kind of holding him back here for two reasons. Number one, obviously, look, you mentioned last year, right? He was playing with that injury uh, on the ankle all year long. It still really didn't limit him, or even if it did, we barely noticed in terms of the statue and his production because he was still flying all over the field and maybe outside of, you know, trying to run back an interception for a touchdown. That was really where you kind of saw him be limited the most. So this is a guy who is very skilled and, and can play through pain and still play at a very high level, even when his body's not at 100%. So even if he's out there week two, week three at 80, 85%, that's still even better than probably what we saw last year for Shaquille Leonard. But also number two here, we've talked about this before on a previous podcast, and that is the start to the Colts season, right? That for those first seven games where you play divisional opponents, when you start, you know, against the Texans and you play in Jacksonville against the Jaguars, you know, the Colts had their bugaboos uh, opening games and they obviously had, you know, their bugaboos trying to win in Jacksonville of late. But for where the Colts are right now, we are both high in, them in terms of being a very talented team. You should not need, you don't need Shaquille Leonard on the field to win those games. So I get week one, there's always a sense of urgency to get him on the field when the season starts. I like the Colts taking their time because, again, if this team is legit, which we think they are, if they are the team to be in the AFC South, which we both think they are, you should go into Houston, go into Jacksonville without Shaquille Leonard and have no problem winning either game. The game I look at, George, I don't know about you, week three. Home opener, September 25th, Chiefs and Patrick Holmes come to town. That's a game where if I'm Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, I know you won't admit it because you never overlook an opponent and want to disrespect an opponent. That is the date I have circled for Shaquille Lennon return, where I say, you know, as long as he's on the field by week three, all is well. I would say definitely because, you know, that the power of that Chiefs offense, but even week four to me is the one that's like the drop dead day. You. That's Tennessee. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that game's going to be a showdown game. It, the division games really count twice because they're tiebreakers and, and they have all sorts of importance on them. I think you absolutely would want him on the field. Obviously, you want him on the field in week one, but I think week four to me is the one where you feel like you need him. You, you got to get him out there. You're going to need all hands on deck to stop Derrick Henry. Uh, and so, you know, that's going to be a tough enough chore without him. I think you can bring him back and, and strengthen that run defense and strengthen the defense as a whole, but I think that's where week three also weeks in works in nicely. Cause if you can get him back, then uh, you could certainly use him against the chiefs. You'd feel like you'd, you'd want to be full strength there too, but he'd also have a week under his belt before you come out and play. What's going to be a huge divisional game in the first month of the season. Right. And it sounds, you know, funny to say, or almost like a disrespectful way, but not meant for that for sure. But it's like, almost like you can knock the rush off against the chiefs and use that as like almost preseason game, but you're hundred percent right. Having five divisional opponents in the first seven games, we've talked about the Colts' struggles in the division. They got swept last year by the Titans. That is a team you still circle to beat. You're right. Week four, as long as he's out there, all is well. But that's why, at least for me, when you hear Frank Reich on Tuesday talk about, you know, there's still no timeline. Basically, the only certainty or, or goal they have is to keep him off the pup list. As long as you're kind of working him in by week three, week four, that is going to be, you know, for me, at least as a, you know, for the Colts going forward for their terms of success, that's going to be a big win for sure. And look, I mean, also early on, George here, 
I know we both said the first podcast, we're not going to take too much out of preseason. We're not going to overreact. There has been a theme, though, that we are allowed to observe and bring up here, and that is the struggles of the run defense, right? We saw it both games, uh, both preseason games so far. It was Buffalo or whether it was just, you know, Detroit a few days ago on Saturday. This run defense has really struggled. And we talk about, you know, what it's going to help the run defense. One of those is going to be the presence of Shaquille Leonard plugging those holes and just flying around like the maniac that he is. It's going to be important. But I don't think there should be right now at least too much of a concern when it comes to the Colts getting gashed in the run game. What are your thoughts so far, being at practice every day, kind of seeing the Colts so far, the two preseason games, what's your concern level or panic meter, we'll say, 1 through 10 out of this Colts rush defense? Yeah, you know, you want to keep an eye on it. I mean, for one thing, you know the Gus Bradley scheme is is not going to be as focused on, on run stopping as Matt Eberflus was. So it was something that was on the radar to begin with, and then you see it kind of come out and be slow. You're going to definitely pay a little more attention to it. I think a lot of it right now is they've had young interior defensive linemen in there, guys like Curtis Brooks and Eric Johnson, rookies, you know. Even R.J. McIntosh was hurt on Saturday and didn't go against the Lions. Uh, so, you know, it'd be much more concerning if it was happening with Grover Seward and DeForest Buckner in there. But even Buckner today said 174 yards is unacceptable no matter when. You, you, preseason or not, that's not good enough. And, it you know, they're going to have to address that. And I think it's one of the things you're going to look for, and we'll get into this later in the week, but I think it's one of the things you're going to look for on Saturday against Tampa Bay. Can they get a little more stout, especially with the starters in there for likely a half because it's it's not anywhere near where it needs to be. And you go back to that Detroit game, I think there were 17-play scoring drive, a 20-play scoring drive, and a lot of that was due to the fact that they could run at will. And so they their passing numbers were really not that good. They completed a lot of passes, but I think they were like 4.7 yards per attempt. It was a really inefficient passing day for them, but you run for 174 yards, you win the game. Again, it's preseason, and you're not going to, you know, you're not running through the streets screaming about this, but I think it's absolutely something that, that they understand has got to improve. And, you know, some of it's just the learning process for these young guys. You got a lot of, to me, that's one of the areas as we start looking at the 53 man roster, that's one of the areas where you start thinking, are you looking at a waiver claim here? You know, do you need to bring a veteran in from somewhere else on the interior of that line? I think they're good on the edge. Tyquan Lewis can move inside a little bit. Dio Dangbo can move inside a little bit. But do you need, you know, for uh, Taylor Stallworth the last couple of years, do you need that guy? Uh, you got to go find him after cuts. I, it's one of the areas to watch, and I think the run defense is where that's showing up right now. Absolutely, and it's definitely concerning that so far through the first two preseason games, the opening drive for the other team's offense, whether it's Buffalo with Case Keenum, where they saw David Blau and the Lions. Again, not that, especially in, in preseason game number two, not a very few Colts defensive starters on the field, but Buffalo you saw a ton. Both times, same pattern. Now, at the end of the day, Colts defense held and you know held them to a field goal both times, but both offenses, Buffalo and Detroit, had the road with this Colts defense right up and down the field. Now, and, and to your point, too, the, the good news is for the Colts at least – is that if you are going to play a bend but don't break defense, kind of similar to what you know, Matty Bluthus' basically whole scheme was, we'll give you chunks, we're not going to give up touchdowns. You live with that, especially when you look at Matt Ryan's offense, you would think they'll be more consistent and more productive in 2022 than in previous years, especially last year, Carson Wentz and some of his, you know, up and down roller coaster uh, play for sure. But it's like you're you're right. They have to there has to be definitely a uh, commitment to stop at the run because also we've seen. I, I know it's a passing league in this and you know in the NFL and you're going against especially in the AFC West so many talented quarterbacks, but you're only making their job easier 
if they're handing the ball off for five yards a pop every time, you don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass. It's the running game is definitely, you know, uh, moving away a less of a trend. But when you have Derrick Henry twice a year and when you have, you know, other offenses or prolific quarterbacks, you do, even though they've improved on the defensive end and they've improved in the secondary, you do need to make the run defense a big priority for this defense this year. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I think this is going to be a team that that is bend but don't break. Uh, I think the keys, I, I think, for the defense are going to be the red zone, which has been good. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as they've given up the runs, they they have held people to, to field goals. Uh, lots of credit there to Nick Cross. Twice now he's ended drives with, with breakups in the end zone. Uh, you see a rookie doing that. You know, there's a reason he's number one on depth chart, I guess. Uh, but – that red zone defense has got, and I I think that's something they struggled with early last year. You know, they were giving up way too many touchdowns inside the 20 and they were just a bend and break defense at that point. You can't do that. And the other big thing is is takeaways. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that's what this defense is going to live on. Take the long way. When you get in the red zone, they're going to stiffen. They're going to make you kick three points instead of six and they're going to force turnovers and they're going to put you in bad situations. So sacks would be the next thing, you know, just something that makes that, that, off schedule for the offense that, that, that moves the chains in the wrong direction. Um, that I, I don't think they're going to be a dominant. I don't think that's what they're designed to be. I don't think they're going to be a dominant shutdown defense where you're struggling to get a yard against them, but those are the areas they've got to excel in. And along with that, the run game's a big part of it because uh, even if, even if you're one of the better teams in the red zone and, and you show consistently, you can shut teams down there. If you're letting them get there all the time, statistics are going to tell me the more chances a team has, eventually they're going to punch it in. And one guy I've been super impressed with so far in training camp has been Nick Cross, but it's like almost like a double-edged sword because he has been flying around, been a ball hawk, like you said, making some good plays in the red zone, but also too, making so many tackles that it's like, wow, this guy's all over the field. But at the same time, it's like, well, do you really want your safety, you know, 10 yards down the field, making four, five, six tackles a game? He's been impressive. It almost at the same time, it's like, oh, this is not exactly the sign you want to see, or you really don't want to see as much Nick Cross so far as we've seen, especially in these two preseason games. It's going to be interesting to see. I think so because he is kind of that box guy. So I think he's going to be more involved than, than say Julian Blackman is in terms of tackles, just because he's, he's closer to the ball. Uh, and I think he is going to be at times an extra linebacker out there. And with his athleticism and, and his clear toughness, I think he's a good fit for that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much Rodney McLeod mixes in when things actually count. I know right now they want to give cross all the looks they can for obvious reasons. You want to get him out there and, and, and get him used to the NFL in a live setting. Uh, and he's responded well every time. So the more the more he does, the more chances he's going to get. That's how it works, right? Like, you keep making plays, they're going to keep putting you out there. Uh, but at some point, you know, Leonard's going to take some of those tackles. Okereke is going to take some of those tackles. I think Zaire Franklin's quietly had a really good camp here, uh, you know, and, and is a guy that I think is going to be an, an impact on defense as well as special teams uh, as the year rolls on. But I think Nick Cross is a special guy, and I think you see why they traded up for him. I know it was the third round, but they went back up to get him, and I think they they felt like uh, he's only 20 years old, but they felt like this is a guy who could could make an impact immediately, and so far he hasn't done anything to make you think otherwise. Super athletic. I mean, I am a, a Penn State grad. I'm wearing a Penn State shirt actually right now, and that was a guy a few years ago. Penn State was hot on the trail for, almost was able to land him. Did go to Maryland, kind of was that was one of those like kind of the one that got away. So it's nice a few years later to now be able to root for the guy I thought I was going to be rooting for in a blue uniform a few years ago, just a few, few years delayed, but still no problem at all. But to put a bow on this on this conversation, George, like you mentioned, there should be a little bit of concern with the run defense for sure. But like I said, one of the ways that will get cleaned up and be better 
is with the presence of big number 53 in the middle of the field. And at least on Tuesday, Frank Reich is saying there's still, you know, some uncertainty. He's obviously still not practicing. They're going to try their best to keep off the pup list. But we are both in agreement, I would say, week three, week four, the match. Really, that should be kind of the target date compared to just week one in Houston. If he needs two games off by more, please give him as much time as he needs. But like you said, that Chiefs game, home opener week three, or especially week four when the Titans come to town, you need your defensive captain, that voice, that maniac, that heart and soul of the defense. You need it on the field flying around. Yeah, well, and I think we can't understate that, the, the, the leader aspect of it. I mean, there's this is the guy who brings the juice on defense. When you have a day like today where it's kind of a, a sluggish day and there's a grind and people are just sort of like, you know, what am I doing out here? It's time to go home to Indianapolis. Shaq's the guy that usually gets out there and, and, and fires things up. And, you know, that'll happen during the season, too. It happens at the end of training camp, but it'll happen, you know, you're off to a slow start. It's 53 who's usually going to do something to fire that defense up and get them going. You're going to miss him. There's no question about it. Whatever time he's out, you're going to notice the void out there. And, you know, I, I do think the key here, and, and that's what Frank Reich was saying, is getting him back, but getting him back 100% when he is back. Right, not having him in and out of the lineup, you know, rushing him back, having him play, you know, half a game or get re-injured because he's back too quickly. I'm with you. Take it safe. Take, you know, take it slow right now. Make sure when he is back, you're only, you know, you're going to allow him to be unleashed and truly play his game flying around. All right, so cut day, or at least the Colts got cut down to 80 players on Tuesday. A week from Tuesday will be the final cut, the 53-man roster cutdowns. One position that's going to be very of note is going to be the wide receiver position. A lot of questions, but also a lot of depth there. Two guys on the bubble had big impressions in uh, preseason game number two. We'll talk about the return of Mike Strawn and Desmond Patton's career game when the Blue Horseshoe returns. <laughs> 